0: a straight shooter tell me what mentorship looks like there this is what I'm looking for if you guys can't provide that to me that's fine but this is what I need and I am not willing to compromise on that because I want to grow to be this amazing veterinarian welcome back to that vet life
1: graduating school and starting practice life is no easy task but what happens when you graduate and start working in a pandemic In today's episode, I'm talking with fellow 2020 graduate and millennial vet, Dr. Caitlin Jones, about how the pandemic has shaped our last year and a half as veterinarians. Now, nothing is off the table today as we talk about finding jobs, advocating for mentorship, and even the Vetstagram community. And speaking of Vetstagram, a few of you submitted questions for Caitlin and I, which we will answer at the end of this episode, so definitely stick around for that. I am so incredibly excited to share this energizing conversation with all of you. So with that, let's jump into today's episode. Caitlin, I am so excited to have you on the show today because as another millennial veterinarian, you and I, even though we graduated from different parts of the world, we still graduated as veterinarians, but we graduated during a freaking pandemic which Mm -hmm. means that our experience is way different than everybody else's from the years before or even the current years that are graduating, honestly, here in about, what, like six, seven months? That's crazy. blows my mind, right? (laughs) (laughs) But as millennial vets, it's just, it's so good to be able to share those experiences and say, all right, what was different for you? How did things work for you? And so we can share that with the other generations as well tell us a little bit for you, like where did you graduate from and where in the world are you located right now?
0: I actually graduated from the University of Florida, which is in the United States. And I am still practicing in Florida, back in my hometown. I live in Orlando. And so I have a lot of family here, so I didn't move too far away. I moved a little bit away for vet school, but I'm practicing in a small animal general practice that also sees a number of emergencies. And something that's a little bit different about me, I guess, is that the practice that I'm currently working at, I actually worked there as a technician prior to becoming a doctor. That kind of brings a different element into things because I got to see the difference in what the practice used to be versus what it is now with covid Which is drastically different.
1: (laughs) Everything is different. Yeah. And you got to see it from the lens of an assistant and now is the lens as a veterinarian. So what was that like coming back and being the
0: vet? It was honestly kind of it was kind of a culture shock and mind blowing. Actually, a lot of the same people that worked there when I was a, a technician still work there. The doctors that work there were my mentors, so they are now the owners of the practice. I work in a private practice, but it's kind of just different having to grow into the role of a doctor with those people previously seeing you as a technician. So now you you've grown up a little bit. You're a titch bit smarter. <laughs> you have to be a grown up, like I was a kid when I was a technician, I feel like. So now I'm like making all these adult decisions. It was a drastic change for me. It was honestly probably a little bit harder for me because I had people there that knew me as baby Caitlin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
1: did you find that like the first time someone
0: called you doctor that you kind of looked around and were like, who, what, me? <laughs> Is that who you're talking to? I didn't even respond at first. Because I, so at my practice, I'm called Dr. Jones. I'm not called Caitlin, but those in the vet community know me as Caitlin. So my mentors still call me Caitlin, but everybody else calls me Dr. Jones. And for the first like month, I was just like in my own lane, not even paying attention. Someone would be like, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, hello. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, are you talking to me? I'm sorry. So, didn't hit it first.
1: I know. I know for myself, like granted, before I'm working now, I didn't have any previous experience in I didn't have that backstory of people knowing me before vet school or before being a veterinarian, but still it hit so strangely to be in the hospital and someone would be like, hey, Dr. McCauley. And you'd be like, huh? Who? Me? Oh, oh, you're talking, me. I'm the doctor. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Right yep. here. So it took like, like 30 seconds each time for my brain to kick in to be like, oh, yeah, I'm the doctor. Yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so graduating In the pandemic, let's go back to your time in Florida then, or University of
0: Florida. And Mm
1: -hmm. it was like the last three months is when the pandemic officially hit. What changed in your rotation schedules?
0: Literally everything. So UF is a little bit different in the way that we do rotations. I won't go crazy into it, but we do rotations from January of the year we graduate, so 2020, up until about May And I was in the middle of rotations and then COVID hit. So I was actually on an externship and they were like, Hey, one week into my externship, they were like, well, you can't go in tomorrow to your externship because there's this thing and it's a virus and it's not great. And I was like, okay, no big deal, whatever. And then I like every day I was like, okay, I get to go back and out Right. And they were like, no, no then all of a sudden rotations were canceled for the rest of the year. So I literally went from being there every day to all of a sudden not. And we had to do all of our rotations online. Um, I actually moved to a different city during the end of my vet school career, because they were like, well, you're not going to be able to come back, you're not going to be able to graduate, you can't walk across the stage. So I was like, all right, I guess I can pick up and move and start my life. So I actually moved during the end of vet school to a different city, which was crazy. Oh my gosh. It ended very quick. Oh, I'm sorry. My cat is, you might know. Um, but- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I got up and moved and it was like what the rest of the career and the, my vet school career kind of was very different. And it kind of, it was almost a little bit depressing in a way for me because all the rotations that I wanted to do in my life like you have your mandatory rotations and then you have your elective rotations all the ones that were focused on what I physically wanted to do were all the ones that happened to be canceled that sucked a little bit but it was really different but how about you how did they treat that it was March when all this kind of kicked off So for me, I
1: was actually finishing one of my elective rotations. I was on equine and I had my free block was next and I was going to go back to the States already. I was planning on that. I was going to spend four weeks visiting practices, doing interviews, that sort of thing before I came back for my final block. In a way, it was a, a little bit serendipitous that the timing happened that way. I think there was like an email that went out and it was like, okay, this is happening. It's serious. No one's allowed to leave. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what to do. And I was like, well, my flight's in 12 hours. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. I was gone. I had already like my roommate and I had already ended the lease on our flat and everything because both of us were going to be gone traveling around. There was no reason to have the, the flat at that point. Everything was already sold. The flat was empty. I was already gone. So I literally just flew home. And of course, all of these places that I was planning on visiting, like I just couldn't. And I was waiting for the emails to come out like every single day being like, all right, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to come back for that last block? And that was the first thing they were like, oh, yeah, so nothing's in person anymore. Everything's online. You're essentially graduated at this point, but we just we don't know if we're going to have real graduation or not. And then, of course, like a week later, they're like, "Uh, psych, Uh, graduation's canceled. Congratulations. Your vet's now. Yay!" We are all like, what? (laughs) Like, this is seriously how it ends. Yeah, I've had this conversation with a couple other people. And that like, I know for you, like you said, it was really somewhat depressing. It was frustrating. We were all like, what the heck? We just did four years, eight years, technically, of schooling. And now we're officially vets. And all we get is a piece of paper and an online thing that like had our picture. And it was like, yay, little. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was like, where's the pomp? Where's the circumstance? Like, this is supposed to be a big thing part of that I feel is just the culture that we have around graduation and everything that we were like, okay, in our minds, like everything builds up to that point. And if we don't have that point, it was like, where's the value? Where's the validation in it? Whereas like in the truth of the matter, and I think we all came to this realization afterwards is that graduation isn't the end all be all. That's just the doorway to get to practice life. So getting into practice life is like where the big celebration is. It's just... Through the rest of your career. So, I think once we all got over the fact that it was like, yes, it sucks that graduation was canceled, but in the end of the day, it's not the worst thing ever. At least that was my viewpoint. Did you kind of come to that realization or what were your thoughts around it?
0: (laughs) I feel like it took me a lot longer. There were some people in my class that was like, yeah, I'm just not, I don't care about graduation. It's not a thing for me. But for me, I think it also depends on where you're at in your life, too for me, I'm the first doctor in my family. And so for me and my family, it was a really big celebration thing. I am very close to my family. So Mm -hmm. with a lot of them getting older, I just wanted that kind of moment of celebration with them because they were a part of my journey too. And so I felt like that took away from them in a way too, because they were really looking forward to it. But yeah, in hindsight, does it really matter? No, I actually had like a little get together. small, of course, with like my immediate family Mm -hmm. and celebrated and you still ended up being a veterinarian, you still took the same path, um, started practice, you know, that sort of thing. So in hindsight, it doesn't really matter. But it would have been nice to like, wear the gear and cross the stage.
1: But you know. Yeah, I never got to wear the hood. I never got to yeah. graduate at McEwen Hall. Like, ah my gosh. Yeah. If you guys go online and you look up that hall, like it is gorgeous, amazing. I never even got to step foot inside. I just have a picture of me outside the building being like, That's where I'm supposed to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> <could happen>. So <laughs> it was that was a little bit sad. But moving forward from the actual graduation, did you have a job lined up before you graduated? Were you already planning on going back to that old practice?
0: Yes, I was job hunting and things. So I went through the whole job hunting process. But my job was I was secured by about January, February, and I started my job in June, early June. So about six months, I had a secured job.
1: Nice. And did you get a little bit of time after the quote unquote graduation to kind of live life a little bit before
0: launching into practice life? Yeah, so a little bit. I was planning on doing like a vacation or something like that, which I'm sure a lot of people wanted to do. But of course, with COVID, that was limited. So I took some time off to like move and do that sort of thing before I started. I had this grand plan. I'm sure we all did that. I was going to like make this book that was going to be like my life-saving vet Bible book because of the Vetstagram community. I had seen so many people like creating these things yeah. and I did not do that <laughs> at all. <laughs> But yeah, I tried to. (laughs) The
1: dream was there. The intention was there. It just never came to fruition. (laughs) That's great. You had, like, basically, you had your job lined up. So launching into it, I feel like you have a more of a unique situation because you were at that practice beforehand. You kind of knew what the culture was like going into it. But when you sat down with your senior veterinarians and with your mentors, when you were actually coming up with your contract, did you guys talk about mentorship at all?
0: Yes. I sat down when I was looking at jobs because this, again, this job was not secured for me in the way that like, I didn't go into vet school being like, I'm going to go back and work at that practice. So I sat down and made a list of things that were really important to me and mentorship was at my top. So we had a conversation. and I'm a very straightforward person. I'm a very blunt person. So I was like, I'm a straight shooter. Tell me what mentorship looks like there this is what I'm looking for in mentorship. And I sat down and I was like, I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And if you guys can't provide that to me, that's fine. But this is what I need. And Mm -hmm. I am not willing to compromise on that because I want to grow to be this amazing veterinarian. And you can't learn everything you need to in vet school as much as you want to. You can't. Mm -hmm. So, And what was their response to that? They were a little hesitant with some of it only because they were like, okay, We, so they kind of threw it back at me and they were like, well, when we graduated, we were just thrown into things. And that was what they did. And that was their mentorship. And they came from an era, they're a little bit older than me. So they came from an era of you work long hours and you do it no matter what. That was very different from what I was looking for. I would like to know if that's kind of where you saw things from because I feel like that's a common denominator. They were a little hesitant, but I stood my ground. I was like, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And they were like, okay, we want you to grow. We want you to be independent. We are not going to hold your hand, but this is what we can do for you.
2: Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at VetEx. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our VetEx community. The Thrive Community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that vet life podcast over to you, Mo.
1: And I think it was so important that you had that intentional conversation to say, this is what I want. And for them to say, this is what we can provide. And then for you guys to meet in the middle and say, all right, this is what we can shift um, to agree on. And so that you Mm -hmm. can actually have a plan for moving forward. Because I feel that so many veterinarians nowadays, especially the ones that have left the their first job, which we'll get into that because you and I are in a unique position that we are still at the same jobs that we started a year and a half ago. Not all of our classmates can say that. Not enough veterinary students or new grads are having that conversation. Like you touched on a little bit and how they're an older generation. They were honestly just thrown into it. Mentorship looked different. It was defined different. Granted, not as many people talked about it in the sense that we're talking Mm -hmm. about it here, where before it was like mentorship, it means that someone will help you in surgery when you drop the pedicle. Mentorship means that you have someone to call when you're on call and you're the only vet in the hospital. Like It was very basic. It was very two-dimensional. But nowadays, I feel that, especially with us, like the generation of millennial vets, and the Gen Z that's coming up behind us, we have a whole new viewpoint on this. We're really defining this in a much deeper level, partly because of the change in our clients, the change in what they're expecting, the change in the number of pets, the the type of medicine. Like 30 years ago, they didn't have near as much of the information that we had to learn before we even graduated vet school. So there's just a whole whole conundrum of, uh, of details that go into this that make... What we're experiencing as veterinarians right now, totally different than what they did 30 years ago. Does that mean that what they went through 30 years ago was wrong or was handled poorly? Not necessarily. It was just different. Mm -hmm. But- one of the issues that we have nowadays is that we have this older generation of veterinarians and it almost seems like there's a a versus type of thing going on where it's like old versus young one is right one is wrong if they don't agree then there's going to be a battle and someone's going to have their feelings hurt it's like no 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 that's not how this works and i feel like your experience and my experience are very similar they kind of pave the way of the direction that we want this whole mentorship scheme to go in that we have the older generation who has gone through things. They're a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience. And then you have these shiny new boots, new vets, us, (laughs) who are like, this is what I want. I'm not ready to compromise on anything. I'm going to fight for it. And the two have to work together. They're going to have to compromise on certain things. They're going to have to accept that maybe everything that we want, like we can't quite get to that right now. Maybe in five to 10 years, we'll get to that point where everything that we want right now is actually attainable. But equally so, the older generations have to accept that things are different now. There are different factors at play, and we have to figure out how it's all going to work together. So all of that said, I had a very similar experience where I sat down with a senior veterinarian of the practice who... Initially, they weren't planning on taking on a new grad. I was kind of the like I made them like, really want me to, to want me to be there.
0: Good. And so
1: because <laughs> initially they weren't looking for new grads and then their ad changed and they're like willing to accept a new grad. And I was like, woohoo, me. me. <laughs> I had to sit down and talked with the, the senior vet who is now my mentor. We talked about all these different things like a similar. It was like, this is what I want. This is what I think mentorship looks like for me. And then he said, this is what I'm able to provide. We were able to go back and forth. And I actually added in a mentorship agreement into my contract. Like there is a I written word for word about what we were expecting, what we were looking to create with this relationship of mentor, mentee, and then also just with the hospital staff itself. So we had this huge plan moving forward for my first year of practice. And I think even if we weren't able to hit all of the points that we set out to, The fact that we had that discussion in the first place, and similar with you, where you had that discussion in the first place, means that you have goals and expectations set so that if for some reason you're not able to meet them, you say, hey, let's have a discussion. And you know that it's going to be an honest and downright discussion about what's happening. I get really excited about these things. So I apologize. I've just been like train, steamrolling forward on it.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think it's really important that you said, for me, it sounds like you guys had a very forward conversation, you talked about it, it's within your contract. And it doesn't always go that way. You can't always implement it into your contract. Some people aren't willing to do so. But I think the conversation should be had. And also, the other important thing is check in points, which you kind of noted a little bit about, you know, if things are not going the way you want them to, or even if they are, like you should have check-in points and that's something that I and my employers made very apparent and it was important to us I was like okay every quarter every month I want to check in I want you to tell me how things are going how could I be a better mentee because it's not a one-way street
1: you got it yeah
0: what am I lacking that I need more help in Um, in terms of mentorship what are you guys they're busy people they are also owners of the practice as well as my mentors so I was like this is what additionally I need from you that I'm not getting right Mm -hmm. now. Can we work together to figure out something that'll work for that? So I think check-in points are also really important too.
1: Absolutely. And Like I know for my practice, we initially were like, every single week, we're going to sit down and have an hour-long conversation. (laughs) And then uh, we got into like month one of practice, and we're like, oh, crap, we're going to have to scrap that whole idea of a Mm sit-down conversation. Thankfully, it worked out that my mentor and I, we still are on the same surgery days, which is a huge benefit, has its own faults, but it's a huge benefit because a lot of times he'll literally just be, he'll be walking by and be like, Hey, do you have any cases they want to talk about or anything that you want to chat about? And because we're on the same surgery day, we're kind of there. So like maybe a pet's being induced and we're all like watching the ECG and watching the pet, but we can have like a side conversation at the same time about what's going on. Or we can set up a time to be like, Hey, we need to go into that deeper. Let's go talk about that. So definitely setting up those check-in points, I think is something that, honestly, everybody needs to come up with. And like you said, like I guess I can kind of see how not everyone's able to put that into their contract. But at the same time, there's been so many cases where like my friends who have left their first jobs, a lot of it was a, a fault where they were promised things that never came to fruition and there were no way to have any repercussions or any ways to like really check in on that. So in that sense, I would say there should always be some level of, especially for like the newer grads and granted, not every, like for your experience and the way that you trusted the people that you were working with, I think it's a little bit different, but like in my sense where I went into a practice, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what the past experiences had been. For me, it gave me so much more confidence going into it, knowing that I had a contract saying, this is what we're going to plan on doing. This is when we're going to plan on checking in. These are the goals that we have for like the next six months, honestly, for either myself as a individual veterinarian, and then also within the grander sense of what we want this practice to look like in six months. So I think for new veterinarians, if you have the opportunity to sit down and put this into your contract, do it. And of course, if for some reason your practice, the practice manager or your, the senior vet is like, no, I don't want to put that in the contract. At least have the conversation as to why, because if they don't want to do it because they truly can't uphold that, then maybe you need to go somewhere else, honestly, where they can provide and actually uphold their end of the bargain with mentorship. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree because I just like you said, I was in a different scenario where I had more faith and trust in my practice owners and senior veterinarians because I had worked with them before and I was personal friends with them. So I understood what they were doing, but I think it's a very valid conversation. And I think that if as much as it may sting a little bit, if you have that conversation with them and they are not willing to budge, then it may be a red flag that that's not the practice for you. Again, I don't know this, but this is what I hear. I feel like the majority of people who end up leaving their practices, it comes down to I feel undervalued and or I did not get the mentorship I need and I feel stagnant. And that is something that sometimes can't be avoided. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay there. So you should fight for these things and look for those red flags because you went to school for eight freaking years to do this, you deserve to fight for what you want. And Right now, I think we're lucky in that we have a ton of places that are hiring, not to say that you know one practice is more worthy than another, but you can find somewhere that fits in better with your goals and what you need specifically because everyone's different.
1: That is such a blessing for us right now. is because like I think it was, what, 10 years ago, not even, that there was a shortage in jobs. People didn't really have the choice. But right now, you have pick of the litter. Honestly, Mm -hmm. you can like drop a pin almost anywhere in the United States and you'll have like four or five practices that you can choose from. Like when else in the in our life in the veterinary profession have we really ever had that choice? So make use of that because you really can find the right practice for you where you're at. So then looking at things, um, we've talked a lot about like what mentorship looks like and how to really advocate for it. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but we are two veterinarians who are still at the same practice that we first started at a year and a half ago. Before we recorded, we talked about how, granted, there's definitely a ton of uh, veterinarians from our graduating class that are still at the same practice, but equally so, we can probably put at least five to six of our friends who are no longer at the same practice for one reason or another. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit in that. When we talk, I guess, looking at the older generations, I don't think that they job hopped near as much as we do nowadays. And partly I think that is because of the different opportunities that are available. There's a lot more practices. We have a different mindset on what well being and work life symbiosis is. But for right now, like with millennial vets, with so many of us leaving jobs and starting elsewhere, like why do you think so many of them? are, and you kind of touched on it a little bit with the mentorship, but what other aspects do you think there are?
0: Like I said earlier, I definitely think mentorship is one of the biggest ones, but I think the other one that I touched a little bit on earlier is uh, work-life balance a lot in a way, because I see personally, just having worked with different veterinarians from different generations before the practice that I currently work at, I used to work there used to be other owners who were, of course, a little bit older, which is uh, fantastic. They're fantastic people, but they have a different lifestyle. And I think that work-life balance is something that has turned a lot of people away from their current jobs. Because sometimes if you work for people who are a little bit older, they're kind of still of the thought that you work, and that's what you do, you work, Mm. and you work very long hours. And for us, I feel like as millennials and Gen Z and kind of moving into this new generation, we are trying to emphasize the importance of mental health. We've seen a drastic change in that. And we are fighting harder and harder for our work life balance. So I certainly think that work life balance and lack thereof is a lot of the reason why some people move on to different practices. I also think that some people just feel stagnant. So I know a couple of my friends have mentioned that they feel like they are not growing in their practice whether that be because they only have certain let's say tools instruments they're only doing certain surgeries that sort of thing so i feel like those are the main things that i tend to be seeing
1: there's like a mismatch between the expectations and the realities of of starting at that practice and so for us the fact that we're still i guess it's really easy in this profession to be like okay what went wrong and how do we fix that and then also Okay, so the flip side of saying, okay, what's going right and how do we do more of that? For us, it's not to say that we're at unicorn practices and that everything is perfect. But for us, like, what do you think are some of the major factors as to why we are still at the practices that we're at?
0: I think, I mean, from what you've said, and kind of where I'm coming from, is I think that we have very open and honest conversations with our doctors that we work under. So, I mean, there have been scenarios where I have not felt comfortable. I am sure you have felt in the same instance, you know, there are bad days, there are days where I feel incompetent, there are days where I feel like things did not go right. There are days where I feel like I can't communicate with my team. So there are a lot of times where I will sit down and just talk to my doctors and get advice, tell them what I think. And I think that that is something that has kind of pushed me to be a better person and a better doctor. And that is one of the main reasons why I feel comfortable, comfortable, but still like growing at my practice. That is one of the things. But also, I think that we as a team work a lot together to continue to grow. So something that we do that I value a lot is we are constantly trying to improve our practices. We are ordering new tools. We are ordering new medications. We have doctor meetings every week. We have management meetings. We go out and do like team things when we can. So I feel as if work should be a environment where we work, but also you are with these people more than you are with a lot of other people. So I want to like all you guys. So I think Mm -hmm. sitting down and having those conversations is really important. That's one of the main reasons why I feel comfortable saying it. mine.
1: And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now before you go, I have a quick request. Now podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the Vedex community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life.